Episode 77 of The Passive Hang. Welcome back, guys, and Happy New Year. It's Fayon here, and today we are joined by Ron Dobrovinsky on The Passive Hang. Ron is a teacher based in Israel who runs his own school, a dancing school, Swing It Israel, and is a fantastic dancer himself. I highly recommend you go onto his Instagram page and check out some of his performance there. Ron is also a personal trainer, taking one-on-one students, both in person and online. And that includes people who are looking to learn from his approach, his unique way of developing the body, such as in flexibility, and also guiding students in dance from amateur level all the way to professional. I was really interested to connect with Ron because he shares a lot about his own training process, not only about the way he trains for dance, but how he trains the capacities he needs for his dance routines, such as his journey to the one-legged sissy squat, which I highly recommend you guys check that one out on his page as well. We get to find out more about Ron and his backstory, how he came to be a dancer. He used to be an engineer, in fact and he shares his thoughts on movement-based training, not only for the dancer, but also for the general movement practitioner. There's something in it for everyone. All right, guys, well, we're going to get started. I hope you guys enjoy. I'll see you in there. It's Fayon, back here with another episode of The Passive Hang. Today, we are joined by Ron Dobrovinsky, who is a teacher, dancer, based in Tel Aviv, Israel. Uh, really excited to get you on because I've been following your content and what you share for a while. And I really recommend listeners that you go check it out because it's a whole mix of, I guess, your own process in how you develop yourself, both physically for dance. And then you also share a lot of amazing dance performances, just like the one you recently posted over in, in France. Um, so... Thank you. I always get a lot and of inspiration, I think, from you sharing your journey. So just want to say welcome to the Passive Hang, Ron. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about maybe that performance over in, in France. You just came back from there, but uh, maybe, yeah, yeah. Share, if you can share weekend. a little bit about uh, what happened there and uh, how that all came about. Uh, it was it was a swing dance festival in uh, in France in Strasbourg, and uh, I was I was there as a teacher uh, teaching uh, teaching solo jazz, um, and um, like um, solo jazz maybe for the for the listeners uh, authentic jazz. It's uh, it's a genre. It's it's different from some people think about jazz as uh, as the Broadway jazz. It's not the same thing. So authentic jazz is a genre from uh, <clears throat> the more uh, vernacular dance uh, from the family of swing dances, uh, dance to jazz music, actually. Uh, so I was teaching that uh, that weekend. And part of that weekend was uh, also like uh, I did that performance uh, that you saw. Um, yeah, it was a great weekend, great festival, very very like great people uh, family atmosphere like um and it's like a couple of hundreds of people in the like relatively uh like not not the biggest city but like very very and very cozy atmosphere and yeah I, I loved it and it was great and what sort of goes through your head before you step out you know in front of the crowd of a few hundred people to perform this 
sequence that you've intimately prepared and you're going to share it with them? Like, is there a special sort of routine or a sort of thing that you go through before you actually go on stage and then perform it? Um, yeah, what, what works for me uh, is to try like the mental imagery um, attitude of trying to run things in my mind and uh, focus like um, kind of focus on, on the space itself, like place myself there uh, mentally uh, so I can um, kind of be aware of the different angles and the different uh, aspects of the floor and um, in relation to what am I doing during the routine? Also, like the friction of the floor, make sure like everything is uh, the way that uh, it, it should be and uh, it's comfortable and feeling safe. Yeah, so uh, mostly, mostly focusing on those things. And, um, and whenever you're, you're going out there, on the, on the moment you're there, you're kind of get into it. So you don't really, you don't have time to think you're, you're doing, you're going like on automatic and um, you're trying to do the best you can. If you start thinking in the middle of it, that like, it's, it's not a good thing. It's like too much. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, you have to be prepared well enough to, to go without thinking once you're there. Yeah. All the thinking needs to happen before. Yeah, I find performance is such a interesting thing because, I mean, it's it's quite a long sequence as well. And as as you said, like once you're out there, you have to kind of trust in your body to make it all happen. I think you know, like you, it's not completely like kind of running on autopilot, but it kind of is as well. That if you have that moment to to stop and then to actually think about what you're doing, like you say, like you're flowing so much from one movement to the next that I can imagine that if you are thinking, then it becomes sort of a bit abrupt and, and broken and sort of takes away yeah. from the performance. Yeah. And uh, I, I think, I think one of the biggest challenges is actually uh, dealing with things that don't, don't go as you planned while it happens and don't let it, kind of distract you from what needs to happen next. Uh, this is often, like, this is one of the things I think um, are the biggest challenge for dancers who start performing. And I, I like, it's, uh, it's still, like, I feel this is a main challenge uh, at any stage, but uh, like having the confidence and, and the grit to kind of, okay, you fucked up something, and you still keep going with whatever you have planned, obviously, but also in the same amount of energy and uh, attitude. And, you know, like sometimes you really look uh, at performances and someone like something didn't go as planned. And, and suddenly you see that on the face and you mm. see that in the performance. So, so basically every time you perform something like 99% chance something will happen not exactly the way you planned because there are so many de details inside and um i think the 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 great uh like uh great performance great performers are uh, are great at um like keep going the best way they can no matter what happens at at mm -hmm. any point so yeah
I love that. It's like how to navigate through the unplanned. Uh, you know, you might have yeah. an idea of of something, but then, yeah, it is going to be a little bit different every time. And if you do kind of just not pull it off as well, how, how do you how do you cope with that? I mean, I guess that's like mostly mostly everything. I know like sometimes when I try to do like some sequence of some flow and stuff and even if you do hit it all exactly, then you watch like the video, it looks very mechanical in, in a way um, versus, yeah, like I'm always thinking in my head afterwards, like, yeah, how do I make it feel more natural, you know, more exuberant, more with mm-hmm. uh, an energy coming from me. And I think maybe, maybe that's one of the, the, the cues that uh, I should take on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also think that uh, like sometimes people have the mentality of, you know, it, it's gotta be perfect. It's gotta be perfect. And like uh, when it's not perfect. So at that same moment, even if you keep going in your mind, you kind of scrap that and want to throw it away. But in many, many cases, well, first of all, people have like no idea what you had in mind originally. And usually the gap is not as big as it is in your mind, like between the, what you perceive as a fuck up and uh, what, what actually happens. And um, often people just don't notice, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's mostly in in many times, like many times it's often like, it's more in your head and uh, acknowledging that really helps as well. Yeah. I think you're always your own worst critic. Uh, I think and so, sure. yeah, dealing with that as well, that, that, that ego- egoic sense of when you, when you look back at yourself is always a, a challenge for everyone. But, um, uh, you know, in, in your video, you do like quite a few amazing things. Like, I know, like you're doing this W squat, like, which is kind of dropping down into a, a W sit, but then you're actually jumping up and down <laughs> in it as well, which, um, yeah, for me, uh, but that, that that was definitely a an eye opener as well of, of of what is possible. Um, but it reminds me of something that I saw you sharing. I think for a while ago, which is like this one legged sissy squat that you're developing yeah. and that you actually want to use in a dance open form sort of con- context. And so this was something I think you've achieved recently as well. So I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you a little bit about um about that, but maybe like originally, you know how did this sort of come come about or how did you end up sort of choosing, oh, you know, maybe I should do this sissy squat on one leg? Yeah, it, it actually came about like I was trying to do a variation of a, of a knee drop with a spin, um, like one of those dance moves that you see a lot in different genres, actually. Um, and... Um, one of the ideas I had in the context of a specific song I was dancing to was to be able to do that in a slow motion. So not just dropping and then and, and, and turning, but rather like kind of going slowly and like freezing a little bit during the movement and then like gradually going out of it. So that what gave me that idea, like, oh, like I... This is actually just a sissy squat, just with one leg. And then you start looking and, and like, no, no one was really doing that. And some people say like, yeah, this is not physically possible. And then you say like, hmm, um, 
yeah, I heard that being said about many things, but uh, <laughs> and usually it's uh, it's true only until someone really tries. And um, yeah, so uh, so that gave me the the idea to start working and on that and challenging myself in that direction. And I was like doing regular sissy squats and different like dance related things anyway, and in, in my training as well. So um, so I said, why not? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> that started a journey of like I think around like a year. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So basically, I, I was I was trying different things. I didn't have like I only relied on principles and uh, my understandings as uh, as a trainer. Um, so you know, like um, it it took a while to to find the more effective variations, the, the, the progressions, the, the right amount of volume and intensity as mm -hmm. well. Uh, it's, uh, it's something that um, it, it was tricky at times. Um, and, you know, like uh, there were times I got like um, some strains in my quads and stuff like that. So I needed like, okay, I need to tone it down. I need to, uh, or, you know, uh, mm -hmm to play with that um yeah and i, I must admit the, the thing i found about this one is um that it's uh, actually much more skill oriented um than i thought in the beginning like in the beginning you think wow you need enormous amount of strength uh which is the first thing that pops in your mind um but as i as i was progressing more with it uh i just saw that the balance factor that it, like mm. the base of support you have there like standing on one ball of your foot it's minimal so yeah. it's, it's minimal yeah and uh, uh the way you enter it's already kind of create a, a lot of conditions and constraints that kind of influence mm. the entire thing and the variation you choose because if you put your leg behind or you put your leg in front and uh, you know you know those kind of things they matter a lot in the term like how your center of gravity is affected by it and mm -hmm. um so uh so so at at some point i realized that it like i need to um relate to it much more like a skill and 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 a little bit less like uh you know pure strength tra training thing so uh, so i kind of shifted that and that you know like you increase frequency you decrease volume you kind of you, you decrease intensity you play with those things as well mm -hmm. so that uh, yeah that worked pretty well and um yeah if you yeah what um, if you go into yeah. like the de details of that did you sort of like um separate it out a little bit so at some points you were just working it without the balance factor and then other times with yeah. just like the thing itself like yeah what you mentioned yeah. like yeah, yeah. the most effective sort of variations what ones you know if someone was to go onto that journey that uh what would you recommend as the ones that helped you with the most well for sure the supported variations um the, like you need those because you need the capacity you need some minimal capacity to to be able to to hold that like also the the uh, the, the two-legged uh, versions like loading that and being able to preserve balance in different angles <clears throat> and different speeds is uh is very helpful 
Um, I did find that different leg assisted variations, especially the one that you go um, like on more on the frontal plane, uh, biasing towards one leg um, and supporting a little bit with the other one um, is very helpful. It's like close enough to the like you can cheat the least and uh, it's close enough to the to the real thing so you can accumulate uh, um, volume there um, yeah but 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 after after some point I think uh, the unsupported like eccentrics and uh, the different variations and uh, just just trying it over and over, just like uh, you do with uh, different uh, flips or turns and stuff like that. It's very crucial for really getting used to that. Yeah, amazing. And um, I guess, you know, now where you're at with it at the moment, like what's the sort of process from here until, you know, you use it in a routine? Is there a certain way or a certain sort of markers that you go, okay, like, I keep on working towards before it's like, all right, it, it's ready now. Like, cause I, I'm get, I look back at, you know, the way you use the, that W squat, obviously there's been like a tremendous amount of work done to consolidate that position before actually just putting it in the middle of a routine. Right. And then to keep on going. Yeah. So, so now it's at the point where, first of all, I gave it a rest uh, for a little bit, both because I was uh, like, I was working on it, like on a regular basis for for a very long time so i needed to kind of uh switch to something just for the sake of uh, interest so once i got like the basic version with the leg behind uh, so it's kind of i said like okay i'm i want to i want to switch to some other stuff as well so i was uh, focusing more on the those w jumps and that kind of stuff that is very also very like it, it switched it switched that part in the training program that uh, kind of uh, kills your quads in a way so uh, <laughs> um, yeah and um, like I have already some some ideas to um, where where I want to put that in my dancing uh, I did find it was less practical in many scenarios than I would hope for because uh, mostly because of the balance and the shoes so it really really makes a difference like the the, the slightest difference in the in the shoe that you wear mm. can create a completely different experience in such a small base of support so so you need to train a, that with that specific yeah. shoe and floor and uh in and also from which movement you're entering that so basically um I guess once I'm I'm gonna start building a new routine, so so that will be more used in a specific context, so it will make more sense. Yeah, it's so funny about um, flooring and what you're wearing because that's something uh, that I look for whenever I try and like either practice floor work or locomotion or capoeira, like and say like I'm on I'm traveling right now and you're always looking for like a good surface to to you just need it like flat or flat enough and you know, something that's hopefully like smooth enough as well. But, you know, the other day, all I could find was a little bit of one that's, that's gravelly and, you, you know, you just have to adapt to that, but um, you know, it's sometimes not ideal or you, you can't do everything that you want to do. And it even makes me think about sometimes when you're doing 
like middle splits pr- practice as well. Like for me, like oh. floor, flooring and what you're wearing on your feet is is very, very, very important as well. Otherwise, you can't um, get to the range that you want to to do. Yeah, it's like um, um, Joachim uh, Hilderson. I think he was on your show uh, once as well. And uh, like he's a he's a friend, and he like I was he was my trainer for uh, for some time, and I learned a lot from him. And we always like laugh at how much like whenever you're training flexibility is it's like you, you're becoming a master on friction with different floors and different footwear. <laughs> like you're you're so sensitive to those things at those ranges and those uh, like whenever you train those things, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're always searching for like the most the most ideal setup to make you feel the most safe, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And like for it to be challenging enough, but not too challenging. So your body locks up. Yeah. So uh, it is uh, it is an art in dancing as well. Like it depends what kind of dancing, but uh, like uh, in many dances, like friction and your relationship with the floor and uh, like what kind of footwear you choose and that kind of stuff, it, it plays a role. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, you guys are wearing like um, dress shoes, right? On pretty um, slidey, slippery floors, it, it looks like. It, it depends. Like, uh, it depends on like what kind of uh, fashion and style you, you seek. Uh, like some people uh, prefer dancing in sneakers, for example. And like uh, I have many routines I was doing in KEDS and like something like flat rubber shoe. So it really depends, actually. And uh, it depends on the style and on the... On, on the experience you want to create. Also, different shoes create different affordances in a way that's uh, basically, you know, like once you have a heel, like just like a men's shoe or like one centimeter heel, it's not a lot, but it changes your posture. It changes how you perceive yourself in space and changes mm-hmm. your movement choices when you improvise. So uh, so it really depends what what you're after. Yeah, yeah, and um, like there are fashions that, in general, kind of uh, you see that in from time to time. Like, uh, like okay, now most of the people dance with that kind of shoe, and then it changes. And there are specific personal stylistic choices as well and movement choices. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, I like what you said there. It's like it depends on the experience that you want to create, right? So you choose the tool that matches the experience. Yeah, 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 for sure. So digging now, I guess, a bit into your background and uh, I, I guess like generally I just know you as like a, as a dancer and a, a, as a teacher from the content you share. But, you know, is this something that you've always been doing from young or is that something that you started from when you were a bit older like yeah maybe take us through just like your okay your physical training background how you got into all this so i actually started training uh, like physical training when i was around the age of five i was a very sick kid and uh, i was start- um, like my dad started training with me and uh that what kind of got me out of my childhood uh, diseases and stuff. Um, and then I was into athletics and martial arts. I was doing, I was doing Kyokushin karate. And uh, later on, I was doing Taekwondo. 
I was doing some gymnastics as well. I was uh, then I was doing alpine climbing. I was diving, and I was doing wow. a lot of stuff uh, movement related. Yep. Um, dancing, I was not like uh, trained in any way in a, in the classical sense. Uh, by the age of sixteen, I was one of those. Uh, <laughs> I was one of those kids that in a party where everybody were dancing, I was just sitting around with my friends drinking and uh, looking at those people who dance from afar. Mm-hmm. Um, but along, like in parallel to that, I, I also, um, I love listening to music and I started, uh, basically I started dancing alone in my room and improvising and uh, copying things from music videos and uh, trying things out. And slowly I opened up to, like later on uh, after 16 like I opened up more to like dancing with friends in parties and then I started going to clubs and uh, dancing in clubs and um, yeah and that kind of uh, that was the start of it and uh, so um, and then I got more into break dancing and hip-hop and like I was practicing that myself and uh, and, like freestyling and then uh, dancing in clubs as well um yeah and then like when i was in the university uh, i got exposed to partner dancing like salsa and um one salsa instructor showed me like a bunch of different dance videos and i saw swing dancing lindy hop uh, specifically and uh, i was like wow this that movement looks amazing and uh, i really love that so i was attracted to that and this is how i started with lindy hop which is, lindy hop is is a swing dance and um, it's like uh, when you say swing dance like it's family on, of african american dances that are danced to jazz music mm-hmm. so um, and this is how i started with that and it started like a hobby and uh, and then uh, um and then I quit my job and uh, basically invested all myself, like all invested myself uh, completely in that. And uh, like now I run a school for over a decade in Israel, like uh, uh, running the school and teaching and also uh, traveling and teaching internationally in Europe mostly. Amazing. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you ran through it quite quickly, but I, I can imagine there was quite a few like very important turning points for you for you there but um i mean for you, i mean even from a young age you said it seems like you were exposed to so many different things but what there was just something with dance that you really bonded with like just naturally or more immediately that gravitated you towards that field as opposed to you know like more the karate martial field or sports sort of arena mm. I think it was a gradual process, and I think um, one of the drivers was was um, like at some point again we go we go back to this twenty uh, four hour uh, restriction, so you cannot do everything, you know. So you try, <laughs> but then you realize you need to start choosing stuff if you want to get better at 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 things. And um, with dancing, I was I was attracted. Like um, there were several aspects. So first of all, there was the music. So in the beginning, um, the, like the music, like I loved listening to music and dance to music. And uh, with with jazz, it was uh, it was in the beginning it was difficult for me because I was not like listening to jazz at home. So it, it's something I need to acquire the taste for. And when uh, when I started diving more into jazz music, um, so it really 
also gave me a lot of inspiration to to dive more into the dance itself. Uh, also, um, on its own, like the fact that it has a partnered aspect and the solo aspect, and it has many many facets, allowed like keeping the interest around many things. So um, it already kind of gave me a lot of things to to handle and and learn and uh, experience and um, yeah so that got me deeper into that and um, yeah at some point it was like a gradual process so all those aspects kind of came together and um, it, it it started being a more and more and more important part of my life and uh, at some point you say okay like um, it was nice uh, as a hobby but now it's more than a hobby it's, it's a passion so uh, I want to try to put it in a place in my life where it can be like uh, on the on, on the right priority for that mm-hmm. and yeah so you gradually kind of uh, move towards that I think the last thing I, I gave up was the uh, the alpine climbing we were supposed like a friend uh, like uh, my me and my friend were we were supposed to uh, go and uh, climb a 7k uh, mountain uh, like in Kyrgyzstan or something and like uh, it was postponed and then then basically I decided yeah I'm gonna go to that dance festival instead and that was kind of the turning point uh, 12 years ago (laughs) that was that was when you committed Yeah, yeah, in a way. Now, there was another point where I committed, which was uh, when I started, uh, when I really, uh, when I quit a job and and then I moved to, uh, and I I got an opportunity to to move to Germany and, and dance and teach there. And um, I kind of, I when I came back, I, I, th- I said like, yeah, I want to I wanna do it full time. So, so I didn't go back to like I wasn't I was an engineer and uh, so I didn't got, go back to that career I, I, I switched and I said like okay I'm leaving that behind and I'm opening a new chapter and I'm trying that so that was another big turning point in terms of uh, like life choices yeah <laughs> and you know this type of dance that, that you do swing dance like is this like particularly popular in in Israel, or is this something that you know when you've started up the school as well, you've you've helped with? Um, I guess the awareness of it, like, um, it's not something you know I'm particularly familiar with. So, uh, how was it for you? You know, at the start, you know, just starting all of that and gaining students. Yeah, it's it's a niche. It's uh, it's something that is let's say less familiar than salsa or Latin dances, for example, or ballroom dances, uh, for that matter. Um, so, so yeah, it's not surprising that many people are less aware of that uh, even existing. Uh, this was actually how I started teaching. Like we we started teaching voluntarily because we wanted to spread the word basically and uh, kind of show people what this is and how wonderful this dance is and what it can offer them so uh, yeah this is um this is how we started and then like gradually uh it became uh, more established and more professional and we started doing things better and uh, also pushing ourselves in the dance as well um yeah so so it was a gradual process but it started from the point of uh yeah we want more people dance that dance to dance that dance and uh so yeah that drove people to teaching i think i think in many 
in many swing dance schools, it came from that aspect. It started like that. Yeah, was there anything you you learned over the years that you found worked particularly well just to bring attention to this this certain niche? Because, um, you know, I know for a lot of listeners, even, you know, with the whole movement practice and stuff, it's still quite low awareness yeah. to, to the mainstream. So, um, you know, what sort of worked for you in your school? Um, show it and have people try. So basically uh, it's, it's a, it's a dance, like both the partnered aspect and the solo aspect is something that it's very uh, like interesting to see and it's happy and it's uh, energetic and it's interesting. It's complex, like movement wise, it's like, uh, like interesting to watch. So that aspect really helps uh, when exposing people to that, people will look at it and will not just go by. And uh, having people try that is also very like, in addition to that, to just watching it, it's also very effective because it's, uh, first of all, very early on, it creates the feeling and understanding, oh, this is possible. This is not something for professional dancers. This is something I can do. Uh And um, so it's like, it might look fancy sometimes, but like, here are some basic steps you can try and voila, like 10 minutes after you're already dancing and and you're enjoying that feeling Mm. and uh, experiencing that feeling is what get, gets often people hooked and uh, willing to try more. Yeah. I like that, you know, um, making it a, that approachable, that entry point for them to connect with that feeling that, you know, uh, has hooked you in, I think is like super important so that hopefully, you know, they get hooked as well and, and resonate with it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And how about, you know, your physical practice, like right now, I know we sort of touched on that, you know, sissy squad and stuff like that, but just generally alongside with the dance, like what, yeah. How do you actually train physically at the moment? Um, well, I, I train all the time. <laughs> it's uh, well, like, uh, well, actually, I must admit that at the moment I'm kind of a, on a like a performance slash deload phase because uh, I'm busy traveling a lot. So I'm on a maintenance minimal amount of uh, of training because I'm like um, in the middle of traveling between different festivals. But um, on a regular on, on a regular uh, in a regular time it's uh it's about focusing on different goals that i have and kind of designing the programs around that so uh and there's always something so whether it's a it's some some specific dance move i want to build the capacity towards uh, or just like a general phase that i want to you know increase like uh, muscular endurance a little bit or strength in different areas so there's always something to be done and uh, like flexibility flexibility is like uh, endless pursuit on its own and um yeah, so, so basically, I uh, I orient myself uh, according to different times and goals. Uh, so it's uh, it's hard to summarize in one sentence. Like what what do I do? But I do mostly uh, um, like I do a lot of flexibility training and strength training. Well, and they kind of go together and uh, and, and combine together. Um, 
and and I also do some uh, different plyometrics, different uh, uh, endurance exercises as well. And uh, and some things are are like it, it really depends on the phase, but um, some things are getting more into dan- into the dance realm. And sometimes it's really like boring, isolated uh, exercises to to create some capacity. So it really depends. Yeah. And how do you like, because I'm guessing you also invest a lot of time to like actually dancing as well. And, you know, yeah. there's some physical yeah. st- stress there, but then there's also this added stress of also the flexibility or strength training or um, how do you sort of manage and structure or, all of that how, how do you think about that um well it's a good question i i don't i'm not sure i have a i have a good answer and i'm not sure i'm doing that perfectly because it's always it's always a try and error thing and it also really depends on the on the time of the year and the and the specific thing that you work on for example like the last routine it involves a lot of like uh like very specific uh, loading and like those w's jumps that that you mentioned so so it's like okay you work on that routine and you run through that like several times in a day okay it, it has a cost so so you cannot do the same uh, training afterwards um so it really depends on other times it's it's really it's much easier and it's like not so demanding so it doesn't interfere with anything you do in your training program so um so so i think it's always about regulating stuff and being in full attention to your body and and not and and i think remembering that the training program needs to serve you and you're not the slave for the training program which sometimes it's easy to get into that mindset without even intending to because you want to you know, check the mark on a specific frequency or on a specific uh, like uh, uh, volume and that kind of stuff. And it's hard to kind of postpone things because, well, uh, you're tired and stuff like that. So, so it's about being flexible in your mind about this and remembering that uh, all those things needs to serve you and you need to kind of understand how your body feels and what your body needs. And it takes a lot of time to actually get to that because like, I'm not sure, like I always learn more aspects of that uh, in different situations. And it's like always a work in progress of calibrating how you feel uh, with your body and with, you know, uh, with what kind of uh, demands you impose on it. Yeah. Interesting how you mentioned that, um, you know, becoming a slave to the program because it, it is like, you know, you want to fill it in sometimes like a computer program where it's like, all right, every session, just more, 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 exactly. more, more, and faster, 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 faster. But um, it doesn't always happen like that. And I think especially when, you know, the, the training is, I guess, one tool you're using to develop yourself. And then, you know, in your regard, especially for dance practice as well, that, um, yeah, it's uh, it makes it even more complex or more. You have to be even more intelligent and aware to know that okay, if you just set up this like sometimes you know, maybe something overly you know, ambitious training program, you might have to dial that back or or realign things and uh, respond to it. And so you know, I really appreciate how you said like for that one leg sissy squat that you had to 
tweak it a few times and respond to like what was actually happening in your body to to to, to achieve that and and it, it isn't just the okay you just set this like perfect program and do it yeah yeah i think i think it's let's say if you're um there's you know the the difference between the i think um who was that ripto i think he like he clearly defined the difference between uh uh between training and exercising so uh like training is training towards a goal and exercising is just exercising for the sake of the experience within the exercise itself um so i th- i think when whenever you are training and not just exercising um it's uh it's very important for for those priorities and the tweaks to be there all the time because you know when you're you're just exercising it's it's very like in the present in the moment and doesn't relate to anything that happens before or after but when you're training it always correlates to 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 everything mm. and um yeah and like you know like i can design the best program and um like okay i'm doing my front split session twice a week on these days but well tomorrow i have a gig where i need to perform and i'm going to dance all evening and i'm going to i'm going to jump into those ranges on stage i cannot i cannot do a front split training the day before well because <laughs> i won't be in the in the position to do that well enough in a performance mode so so uh, kind of realizing that and uh, not feeling guilty that you're not uh, the super perfect uh, executioner of your own training program it's uh, it's very crucial yeah and you know you just m- mentioned you know Mark Rippleto and you, that you learned from Joachim Hilderson who was previous guest uh, before as well I, I guess yeah like um how have you gone about just learning about physical development? Cause it looks like you've looked around and not looked within the dance field, but looked at, I guess, um, other sort of coaches. Is that, uh, yeah. I think that's probably not, not usual. Right. But, um, yeah. What sort of inspired you to take that approach? Well, first of all, um, like I had this background in different sports that, like athletics, gymnastics, and uh, martial arts. And uh, that gave me a lot of perspective of, okay, you want to perform in a certain way, you need to train in a certain way for that. You, you need to build a capacity. So it's kind of, you know, you have this uh, understanding that um, uh, you cannot just do the thing itself. You need to do things that build towards the thing itself. Mm. Um, and when I entered the dance world, uh, basically, uh Again, it really depends. There are many types and different worlds in the dance, but I see that a lot, especially in uh, um, like social dance or street dance areas where um, where people, um, uh, there is no culture around preparing the body for the dance or m- creating some routine of maintenance. And uh, um, it's it's all about like practicing the thing itself, maybe doing some stretches at the end, you know, mm. like those, like just stretches for, I don't know what they give you except for the feeling that you did something, but the, you know, like the, the, the non-significant uh, half-assed stretches at the, at the, at the end or at the beginning of a, of a, of a dance practice. And that mm. that's kind of uh, it for many, many people. 
in those worlds, in those realms, uh, starting from uh, like hip hop and like going into swing dance and partner dancing in like uh, Latin dances. Many, many areas uh, have those uh, like uh, things that people think about, okay, I want to get better at the dancing. I'm just going to dance more. And well, it's it's not really working like that. And um, you see, especially when you see people who start dancing in their late twenties, thirties, forties, and well, well, even more. So it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, so it got me interested. In, it got me more and more interested in physical training and uh, like on a more like um, like how how to train and how to coach and. Um, uh, I, I started uh, like we have uh, we had our team training sessions, which were mostly like uh, focusing on dance. And then I started like, uh, well, I'm going to reach out to some professionals who, to help me design a training program and train the team also physically for the dance. So it started from there. And that led me to taking different like learning all those things myself, like taking different courses and like uh, becoming a personal trainer and uh, like doing uh, different seminars. And like, well, it's an endless process. Currently, I'm uh, I started um, a master's in uh, physical education, focusing on modern learning. So it kind of uh, like I went deeper and deeper into that rabbit hole. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah. And also like training by myself more, uh, like, like, you know, implementing the literature and the different, uh, devices and working with, uh, with different coaches and, uh, trying things out. Yeah. And uh, with the goal of, okay. Um, how do we build physical capacity, uh, to people to like, for people to move better, to enjoy the dancing more, to get injured less, all those things. Um, yeah. And, um, I think, I think something like, um, in relation to that, um, something I had in mind, like many times I see like two completely opposite things, like Sometimes dancers are being too specific. Like I said before, they do a lot of dancing on its own, but they don't really do anything significant beyond that. So you have all those jumps and turns and like different things. And and you kind of think that this will also build the capacity for it. Well, it does up to a certain point, but it's very, very limited. Mm-hmm. And after that, you kind of use what you have and... Um, fatigue yourself but you don't really build anything beyond that and then this is where you know like things often go backward or start to hinder your progress um and and like um you know many many dancers that are being too specific in that regard they they often lack general strength general flexibility general endurance and like they will benefit from like a general strength and flexibility training program a lot, even like without making it overcomplicated and specific to the dance, because like they lack those basic attributes, Um, you know, like squat more (laughs) and that kind of stuff. Um, And the opposite side of that is that uh, dancers who do train, uh, sometimes I see they're not being specific enough. So, um, they they you know 
you have those dancers that will do long, uh, intense, passive, static, passive stretching sessions and investing in their uh, like passive uh, static flexibility and um, uh, and their dancing demands powerful and fast dynamic movements. You know, it's not mm. directly transferable. It's, it's not specific enough. Um, some dancers, you know, they start to invest in their fitness and they focus on, you know, doing snatches in a CrossFit gym. And it's like, well, it, it, it doesn't transfer as well to, to different dance aspects as you, as you may think. So there is more room to specificity in, in that regard and doing some, some things that are closer to the movements and the patterns and the constraints they have in the dance, in their own field, dance field. So, um, and between those two ends of the spectrum, you know, you need to navigate according to the person. So, uh, so it's rather interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. And, you know, I think especially on that last point, it reminds me like, you know, when you normally think of flexibility is it isn't more about almost like, yeah, like these passive or like static, static, passive or static active positions where you're just um, holding like a, holding a, a certain pose, right. Rather than actually dynamically entering in and out of it. Um, yeah. And yeah, I've, I mean, there's a bit more being shared out there now, I think, but still, like, it's it's not as much as, like, you know, everyone always gets attracted to someone just, like, holding the middle splits or something and, and not moving through, through that. But um, how do you think about developing flexibility going from, like, okay, like, I want to uh, achieve that and achieve that position all the way through to, like, all right, now, like, that might be, like, something that I actually do in a, in a dance context where it is dynamic and it, I am moving in and out through it. Well, first of all, understanding that, especially with everything flexibility, it, it can be a, like a much longer process than one might think. Like there are no 30 day magic shortcuts to, to things. Uh, and if there are, they're probably going to get you injured or lose a lot of money for nothing. Um, but like, being prepared mentally for an incremental and long process, this is, this is a key factor because there are so many ways to climb that mountain in a way that, uh, you know, like there are different protocols, different methods, different trainers prefer different things. And, um, and many things, I, I see that many things can work. And obviously it also depends on, on your body and uh, on a specific person limit, limit limitations, both logistically and, like physiologically. Um, but I find that being prepared actually to pay that price for a long time and, and see some very minor incremental results, uh, it's, it's crucial, especially if you're trying to develop flexibility uh, for dance in older age. So uh, like, for me, it, it took my like front splits. It took me to reach my front splits uh, almost two years. And, um, like my, my hip extension was like shit and, uh, it, it really took a lot of time to, to, to develop that and that's okay. And this, that can happen and it's normal. So, uh, so being prepared for that, I think is a key because, well, um, if you do like from what I saw training people and training myself, like often 
there, there is no magic exercise. There is no gold exercise that kind of will bring you there twice as fast. You will still need to invest the hours if you, even if you chose this variation of a hamstring stretch or that variation of a hamstring stretch. If you are more uh, investing time in, in, in some uh, passive methods or active methods, you know, and you're, you know, you, you always, obviously you need to combine them to get optimal results. Uh, but the way to combine them, you're, there are so many ways in terms of like a practical program. And uh, I think sticking to it, is, is a very <laughs> not obvious aspect because many dancers uh, get discouraged pretty fast and they're not used to, um, uh, you know, suffer for a long time. <laughs> especially, especially because flexibility training, like effective flexibility training, let's admit it's boring especially for dancers who appreciate complexity of movement and, uh, you know, like moving in interesting ways, interacting with music. That's interesting. Um, sitting there for 30 seconds and, and, and you know, in an active, uh, static active stretch, well, you, you suffer you're bored, you're like, it's not interesting. And, and it's, it's something that many dancers uh, kind of uh, very early on say like, well, it's not for me. Also, I think um, the flip side of all that I just said is actually working with someone who, who knows a thing or two about effective flexibility training. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's key because sometimes you can, you think you're doing something, but you're not, you're not even scratching the intensity that will bring you there, but you're investing a lot of time. And this is like in the dance world, everything, like whenever you say stretching and then like, I like put the, the parentheses, parentheses on that. Um, often it's just like another way of saying, I'm going to relax on the floor for 15 minutes. It's not really stretching. It's, it's, it's like a relaxation session, which is nice, but it's not going to give you what you think it's going to give you in many, many cases, especially if you're <laughs> a male in, in his late thirties, come on. <laughs> so you need some other modalities of training to, to help you reach your goals. And uh, so, so actually working with people that, that uh, know about effective flexibility training, I think it's also key. Well, I mean, your example of even the front splits is a, is a good one, right? Cause it took you two years and you, you know, you were working already in a structured way with a, with a coach as well. And it still takes that, that amount of time so that that patience is really key right and um i think i think a lot of people think about yeah that's uh flexibility to, or engaging with flexibility in how you mentioned like that it is more like this relaxing type of stretch rather than actually like this real physical work that you put into the body and i remember for myself like the first time when i really engaged with like doing splits work um and i was like all right like i'm really going to go for it like that day uh i was i thought oh i'm going to be fine and then i tried like walking around uh the street afterwards with one of my friends and like 
I couldn't almost walk. And, you know, that's also a scary feeling as well, because there's all these new sensations that um, you didn't, you don't realize how taxing it was um, un- until like afterwards. And then you, it's like all these new pains and sensations, which is totally different to, I guess, more traditional strength training that you feel within your body. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a lot of misconceptions. Um, it's like, it's so funny to see that because once you enter the fitness world, you, you like you see all the opposite misconceptions and it's like, wow, the, just the one big pile of like misconceptions everywhere. So uh, in the dance world, basically, especially if you go out of uh, like uh, out of the swing dance world, like if you go towards uh, ballet realms and the contemporary. um, So everything that goes uh, like (laughs) uh, to lifting metal objects, (laughs) let's say it (laughs) like that. It's like a big no, no. It's like, no, I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be bulky. I don't want to lift weights because it's like, I'm not a bodybuilder. It's like, what like <laughs> and and you know it's something it's it's a misconception that it's been around for for decades it's it's mm. amazing and it's still there so uh and it's like convincing people that well that can actually protect you in many more ways that you can even imagine and that can give you your goals in many ways that you don't think about about but um people kind of you know like what what do many dancers do um i'm gonna take Pilates, I'm going to take yoga, I'm going to do something relaxed. It's like, yeah, and then you do a double pirouette landing on like on one leg. And it's like, how does that transfer to that? And, you know, it's like not even the same demand. Um, so um, um, so there, there's that. And then you go to the fitness world. It's like, yeah, stretching sucks. And like, uh, you know, static passive stretching is not effective. And it's like, well, you you have generations of dancers who, who and and martial artists who, who kind of do that and it works. Like, yeah. don't you think it's kind of ridiculous? So um, yeah, it's um, it's really a world of uh, well false dichotomies and misconceptions that we need to kind of pave the way through. Yeah, it is. So I really love that, you know, you're combining both these worlds and I guess um, shining a light and I guess from, from both sides, right? Um, both the dancers, but then other people looking in that's um, this in the way that you're, you're, you're approaching it, you know, it's a very, it's very practical and very like demonstrative way that it's like, okay, like uh, I think, as you mentioned, yeah, one of the most poorly understood concepts, uh, I think that, um, I've started to notice um, uh, when talking to like practitioners in their respective fields is about how to really approach physical capacity development in- intelligently um, outside of what is normally shown to normally it's like what is normally shown to if there were a kid, you know, and it's totally different equation once you're 20, 30, 40 and how you should yeah. pro- approach that. Uh, but uh, you mentioned something before which was about uh how dancers find things boring and uh, like maybe these these flexibility positions but something that i've seen uh-huh. you do is like combine 
like splits work. I think you were doing like teacups and arm waves. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In one yeah. video and another one, which is like more replicating like your dance move, like dropping down into the mm-hmm. split. So is that also something that you regularly do or something that you just um, do at times just to change thing, things up? What, what's the sort of use cases here? I'd say that it really depends on the phase you're at in the program and actually also uh, where it catches you in the, in like what kind of day you had uh, in a way that um, sometimes, uh, you know, you start, you start a program and you kind of um, you're in a phase where there's low intensity in a certain position because you, you want to accumulate time under tension, but you, you don't want to go too intense in the beginning and like different considerations like that. And once the intensity is not as high, uh, and assuming you have the mental capacity for it, so you can combine it with other like modalities and different movements and, uh, in other areas that don't interfere. So, so that, that's an option. Uh, w- when it gets intense, well, <laughs> fuck, I'm just busy breathing, you know, like, it's, it's like, you're, you don't, you, you cannot do teacups in your max range, like, uh, with full, uh, like, uh, with sliders on your legs. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you're just praying for this to be over. And every second feels <laughs> like a year. So, <laughs> and, uh, so it really depends on that. And also, I think that, uh, again, it goes back to that uh, um, all or nothing approach that, you know, um, it, it, there is some in between, like sometimes you're tired, but you and or you just don't have the mental capacity to go to the max uh to, to your max limit in your split training, for example. So well, obviously you can take another day and rest and that's always an option, but sometimes you do want to move and, and uh, you not in the place where, where you, you want to go to that. So sometimes you can also variate in terms of like, okay, it's not that I have to cancel everything. I can do something less intense or play with it in a different way. Uh, so it will be more satisfying and more fun. So I, I do think that, uh, there is place for that as well. Like sometimes, um, mentally people kind of, uh, create a very, very demanding routine around training. And while physically it can be very, um, like it can make you progress faster, um, I think mental, the, the mental state and the, the mental perception that you have around that also plays a role in, in the long term. So if every split training I will perceive as fighting for my life, it's, uh, it creates some relationship with that position in a way that like, <laughs> I'm not, not always ready to do that because like, uh, I need, I need to be, prepare myself. And, uh, I think there's room in, in, the, in the training, in the long-term training process to allow moments where you may be not pushing the boundaries as much, but you also create a more healthy and uh, happy relationship with, uh, with, the, with the positions uh, that you're trying to develop or the capacities you're trying to develop. You know, it's like uh, uh, if you're only jumping from very, very high boxes or some, or, or jumping on very high boxes and you're always afraid to, to, to hit your shins, you know? So it's like every time it becomes like a, 
a dramatic moment and um and it doesn't have to be so uh, so being able to introduce more uh, relaxed and uh, playful and um, happy moments around visiting some positions and uh, developing some capacities i think it's it's healthy and in that regard the dancing does help because you can let's say move towards more specific dance things and that gives you another motivation like oh it's closer to that and uh it might not be as intense but uh and, and it might not be as effective to build that range as well it has a price but still it's kind of oh it's 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 more accessible to me now it's it's more fun it's not as intimidating so uh and you know it kind of goes to that um to that place where also um like some people in many cases they they get stuck on things and it goes to, to your question about like how do you uh introduce that to the dance eventually so um often you see people train and they kind of um okay i've reached the split what now i'm gonna do some extra range and I'm gonna go for an over split I'm gonna like they they seek the constant um, development in the same dimension mm-hmm. uh, but it's not only about that so okay if I have enough like for example for me like over split will never be a specific goal on its own unless it will serve something else because well at least in my dancing um i don't need an oversplit because all, all i have is an is, is a floor so and uh, like and if i'm doing a split on the floor easily so that's enough for me for most of the things i want to do and then if i already got the split on the floor i will start now working on, on different ways entering that split like you know sliding with the back leg sliding with the front leg sliding faster sliding like diving there from a jump like that that kind of stuff that will kind of uh, serve me in different ways uh, and it's not just about developing more strength or more range yeah you mentioned so, some amazing points there and you know i think that thing around i guess how powerful emotion can be with you know creating that relationship to yeah i guess these um physical experiences that you're you're having is an important one to to note and you are right like if every time you're going into this session and it's one where sweat is dripping off your face and like you you're grinning grinding your teeth and it's never relaxed then you know are you ever going to reach that stage where when you're doing it you can be i guess aware of other things happening and just be joyful in your your body whilst whilst um doing it uh you know that that's a lot for me to take in and, and think on so thank you for that and um uh i guess this is starting to make me think about um one area that i wanted to ask you about which is you know in terms of like the dance field and um and and qualities that you've noticed yourself develop within yourself uh, i guess what what areas do you think that dance in particular really help open up to i guess if someone was coming from just a more general training per- perspective and they're like okay like i've always seen these things but maybe like never quite sort of stepped into it what's what's something that that you think um dance really excels in developing Right, uh, so uh, it's a it's a great question, and uh, well, uh, 
we can we can have just a podcast on that question on its own i think uh, well obviously i'm biased but uh <laughs> um well first of all first of all it depends what kind of dancing we're talking about because you know social dancing and performance it's not exactly the same thing and it involves different aspects both physically and and emotionally psychologically mentally um so it really depends what you're after it really also depends if we're talking about partner dancing or solo dancing so so it has many many facets but let's say this first of all i think uh um if you if you're talking about the generalist uh, movement world uh that i th- i think got more and more popular in the last two decades uh well thanks to people like ido and like uh other other people that kind of uh created a standard around this like you see that so much now and uh it's great uh, and and i think those people can benefit from dancing no matter what kind of dancing a lot because they seek uh variability and they seek uh, seek complexity uh so it's not just about like uh uh the look of it or the range of it or something but it's it's around like how we play around and and um and what can i do with my body and how can i move it's not just about uh i need you know two double body weight squat kind of mentality so it's not about the numbers and when it's not about the numbers and it's about the variability and the richness of movement and complexity of it um well th- this is what dancing is all about when you think about it you know mm-hmm. and um and then there's a question okay am i dancing to music um or not um which which just as valid let's say uh if i'm dancing to music what kind of music am am i dancing to and then it's like okay uh does it have a groove uh do i like moving to a groove do i do i prefer melody and you know what kind of interaction i want to create um but but all those things it's like okay um once i'm starting moving to something external to music it creates uh some constraint and on like on my on my movement it guides me and it also allows me to create some relationship with with the music and it's so so basically like with partner work and game, partner games or sparring for example you have interaction you have relationship with someone and uh whenever you start dancing so you have that with music and in many ways it's obviously different than have a have a play with a person so um so it allows different things it, it's it's another realm and dimension to explore and it's interesting and sadly sadly I think in our society there's a lot of uh you know uh kind of conceptions against that especially about the guys uh you know like dancing considered not manly enough and that kind of shit so um um if we if we manage to put those things aside and kind of break free from that uh so we we can discover a lot of things and in terms of like how interesting it can be to move uh to music and how interesting it can be move to to move uh like in a way that expresses something that you feel or do you want to create so so there's that first of all now uh if we're talking about partner dancing 
or in general, if we talk about social dancing, when you're dancing with people around you, so it can be like, for, for that matter, hip hop can be a, like the same as like a partner dance, because like if you're for dancing with people, you create interactions, mm. either if you're battling someone in a, in a break dance uh, session, or if you're dancing uh, with someone uh, like uh, in Lindy Hop, so you're interacting with another person and with music that surrounds both of you. And, uh, and that game that involves those three entities is, uh, is amazing. So, uh, so again, it depends on the genre, but, but in, in, in most, in like in all of the genres, uh, if you're dancing with other people, it creates like, like you were talking about Capoeira, it creates those interactions and it creates interests around that. Um, now with partner dancing, there's another layer that you're physically, physically uh, interacting w- one with like uh, a person with another person. And uh, that creates another level of play and interesting uh, interaction. Yeah. And uh, so, so it, b- basically it's um, it challenges you both to explore different aspects within yourself and the way that how you are emotionally and cognitively interact with different uh, rhythms and the nuances and melodies and that kind of stuff. And, um, and it also makes you to explore your range of mo- like, like movements and uh, how you can move in different ways. It, it pushes you to explore that in ways that, Outside of dance, it's, uh, in my opinion, it's sometimes more limited um, because it's, it tends to go to the more exercise kind of uh, realm. Um, and like psychologically, socially, it opens you to, uh, to more interesting interactions. Like, for example, you see that a lot in partner dancing when like people just starting doing some partner dancing, uh, touching other people with like always like for for many of people of the people that start dancing uh touching other people uh throughout their lives were in well um several very specific contexts either a romantic context or like a Mm. family kind of context like hug or something like that but with someone who is close to you and um or uh, like if you were like I don't know, like wrestling and then doing some uh, some jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu and stuff like that. So so uh, so it's like in a in a different context, but uh, it it creates another option to interact with all with, with people physics. So so it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so so all that uh, I think that's amazing. And and you know outside of that just like i think with the general uh, movement world um it's it creates a community it creates connections which are outside the specific activity you're doing um yeah so so there's all that as well so so yeah <laughs> so all those layers yeah many to pick from and you know i think ones that i'm always particularly drawn from are like these the, these things of, as you mentioned, like it opens you up in this, this way where you, you feel more expressive, you know, other than just like explaining things normally, like, like through, through words, but through your body, like, um, I think 
when I've at least interacted with it, there's always like a bit more of like a a different vibrational shift almost that 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 you feel. And uh, you mentioned relationships a, a lot, you know, one with the the music or the environment with you, but particularly, I think, yeah, whenever you engage with someone physically, and as you said, like yeah, yeah you, you touch them, and maybe you don't know them. Well, they're not any a stranger anymore after you dance with them afterwards, right? Like you can go up and you can have like quite a quite a good conversation afterwards if you both yeah. go, go into this um dance together which i think is is super super powerful and you know maybe one that uh the world needs right now at this this time as well to to connect more people back together yeah i i totally agree and uh yeah i i also think about like dancing if we think about dancing like whether it's performance or improvisation um Think about it as uh, like I like to equivalent this, uh, let's say, to writing. So if uh, like in the beginning you need to like learn how to hold a pen and uh, like how to draw a line on a page, um, but uh, and then let's say you learn how to write the letters and you can basically stay there and explore endlessly the, 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 how you write different letters, you know, calligraphy and different fonts and different, uh, styles of that. And, uh, and this is great. This is one aspect of it, but you can also try to combine those letters and, uh, create different rhymes or write stories that tell, that tell something that makes someone feel something. And uh, so the same is with movement in a way. So yeah, I can, I can do very interesting movements and variations of it and endlessly explore um, how I can move in different ways and draw those letters in different fonts. And this is amazing. And this is, this is an art of itself and it's great. But also without taking from, from the, the first one, like you can add, a layer of that of, of okay how can I like can I tell a story with this now can I express how I feel with this now and this is it, it adds so much and this is like in a way okay so you don't necessarily need music for that even you know it's like this is like improvising already and uh, and it can be super interesting both for the people who you're telling the story to and for yourself as a way to express yourself, you know? And, um, and, and I think this is something that people who like moving can really benefit from. Yeah. That's a cool way of putting it, you know, and uh, that um, at each level, it can be beautiful in itself. If, you know, if that's the way you want to go and if that's the way you want to invest yourself, like, I guess, artistically as well, um, there's value and benefit, but there's all the, the the way of different different layers. I guess makes it um, interesting in the fact that uh, there are always more avenues, and I guess yeah, more variability, more complexity for you to explore and appreciate as well. And you know, just uh, I guess zooming out from all of this, in general, when you look around for inspiration, uh, where do you look for? ideas and inspiration you know <laughs> is is it within the dance world or you know do you zoom out broader and look at different things everywhere i can <laughs> everywhere i can uh well 
well, it, it might sound like very cheesy way to say it, but uh, like there's inspiration everywhere. <laughs> it just, it's just about like uh, opening your eyes to it. And uh, sometimes it's just, you know, um, it really depends on the context and what you're looking for. But like watching someone on the street move in a certain way or watching kids play can, can make you think like, oh, I, I didn't think about that. That's interesting. And then you can explore that. Uh, but obviously, like looking at different dances, both like uh, in my field, uh, looking for different inspirations of uh, great people from, from old times that were doing great things. Um, and also exploring and learning different realms and uh, different styles and different dances that gives me a lot of inspiration. I actually love um, finding ways to combine different languages and styles uh, into my creations in a way that will make sense, um, in, in a way that will help to tell the story. And um, it's also physically interesting, I must admit, like j just exploring that, like like I, I'm during the last year, I, I got back to training popping and animation and I find so much like value in that both artistically, but also like in the physical uh, aspect of like, oh, I can move like in a different direction with this. Mm -hmm. So um so there's that. And uh, obviously different like sports and martial arts and different things as well. Like beautiful movement always inspires. And, uh, you know, it's uh, after all, we have we have the, the, the same body for for millennia. And uh, like, like there there were so many ideas and things that you can draw from from the present and the past so it's pretty endless pretty much endless and um also also like uh um let's say things that um like i with with all my love to to movement complexity and interesting ways of moving uh there's also a lot of inspiration in in moving the same way uh but in a more challenging uh, aspect like you know like uh, all those crazy people that do a lot of uh, you know the heaviest uh, squats or the craziest ranges uh it is inspiring on its own because it shows you that you're capable of you're capable of much more than you could have assumed before so there's that any names for I guess uh, recommendations if uh, people want to dig in. I guess into the his his historic side of where you look for, whether it be you know particularly within swing dance or anything like that. That if listeners mm. wanted to go search afterwards, that you'd recommend. Wow, uh, well, where sh where sh where should I start? <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, mm, let me think, like. There, there are a lot of names. It really depends what you're after. But uh, if, if you're seeking like uh, like uh, some some nice jazz dancing and uh, movement, so um, you know you can look up Al Mins and Leon James. And if you're seeking some uh, more eccentric and uh, weird uh, movements, so you can seek. Uh, 
people like Earl Snakehip Stucker and Al Norman and Jack Stanford. And if you're uh, like, yeah, like uh, go for it, like Nicholas Brothers, the Berry Brothers, uh, like some like amazing, those amazing like tap, uh, tap dancers who were doing like a lot of flash acts. Uh, yeah, so there's so much, I don't even, <laughs> yeah. So just those examples I gave, I think that's, uh, that can be enough to, to start. And from there it's endless. We'll start the rabbit hole and, you know, already one of the names pops out to me, Snake Hips. Um, so <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to re- yes. re-listen back to it and, you know, dig out a few and yeah, have, yeah. Ha- have, a, have a watch. Um, so thank you for that. But, um, yeah, I guess uh, to start closing up um, right now, uh, if you were just – maybe it's a pretty hard question for you, but if you had a sort of current favorite song or current favorite songs that you're dancing and practicing to, what what would it be mm, too many to count like i'm i'm pretty eclectic in my taste i always at 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 every point in time i listen to many many different genres and uh, and things uh, so uh so starting from jazz to uh to heavy metal and uh synth pop you know there's everything oh. <laughs> pretty much everything you, you can you can like an electronic music and uh um and african music so uh yeah it's it's hard to name one but uh i, I would encourage people to actually um well first of all um um i th- i think uh, getting outside of the of the you know whatever they play on the radio and kind of uh, start digging into one artist or, or one specific genre and listening to things there um yeah so so that can be that can be very interesting and eye opening um by the way, recently I'm listening a lot to Adam Ben Ezra, which is uh, he's a, he's a bass player and he he does amazing music. Uh, like it, it's hard to even categorize it because he does many things. Uh, but yeah, that may be may be interesting to to explore. Yeah, I find it very insp- inspiring lately. Yeah, I think it's always uh, really nice once you start broadening yourself and going digging you know there's always like a lot of um it takes a bit more work but it's a lot more rewarding with what you find right it's more personal to to you but uh otherwise i guess uh upcoming um what are i guess the available learning opportunities uh if someone was interested in learning from you uh i know you you run the school you know physically but if someone wasn't in tel aviv uh any workshops or, or things online I do I do online coaching. I I do train dancers uh, like and not only dancers, uh, not only swing dancers, and not only dancers in general. Um, I do both like both physical training uh, and uh, for specific goals, and also dance training online. So uh, like I have a coach coaching options and private sessions uh, online as well. Uh, that's available. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually opening a, fl- a few more slots in the beginning of the year. Um, yeah, so people can just uh, DM me on Instagram or uh, or on Facebook or whenever. And yeah, I need to get, get a website running sometime when I get to it. <laughs> um, 
but yeah that just approached me directly through my instagram handle and um i would be happy to help awesome ron well you know i really look forward to you know many more performances that you share and you know more of your process that you share as well always inspires me always makes me think yeah a bit bit more deeply but then also take like a learning point as well so thank you for that and thank you for your time Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. I had a great time. Episode 77. Thanks once again to Ron for sharing his story, sharing his insight and his process on the podcast. I hope you guys got something out of it. I really did. A lot of different influences and references he also shared at the end. I recommend you guys check that out, including the Snake Hips Dancer. Really interesting stuff. I really liked what he shared about creating relationships to the capacities that you're trying to, to develop. Something for me to ruminate on as, yes, a lot of my training is based around very much pushing the boundaries, pushing the limits all the time. So in the end, what type of emotional attachment may I be actually creating with a lot of these positions in the end all right guys well i'll leave you with that thank you once again for listening for supporting the podcast for listening all the way to the very end if you like this podcast remember to share it with a friend it really helps me spread the podcast to a greater audience and i really appreciate you for doing so all right well if you have any questions as well you can always send me a message on instagram that's at fayonp at p-h-a-o-n-p or you can pop over onto the website that's at thepassivehang.com. That's it for today, guys. I hope to see you in the next episode.